Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. We are so thankful that you are here today. I love that song, Lord. We're going to build our life upon your love and we'll not be shaken. And uh, really, that's a large part of the heart of this morning's message and the new sermon series that we're beginning starting today as we study God's word uh, with the topic of living a life unhindered, living a life unhindered. If you have your Bibles today, I want to ask you to take them and open them with me to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, to Jeremiah chapter 42, Jeremiah chapter 42 for this morning's message and for our time together. Uh, Many people who are here today are guests. You've come here as family members or friends of families and individuals who are dedicating themselves today to raise their children in the instruction of the Lord. And so we welcome all of you here today. Whether you're a first-time guest or what have you, we are so thankful that you're here. And one of the things that's important for us here at Crosslink is that every time we gather together, we open God's Word. And the reason we do that is because we believe that God's Word, the Bible, is entirely, it is God's Word. It is the full, what they say, canon of Scripture. And in God's Word, God speaks to us. His Word should have the authority and the say-so in every part of our life. And that child agrees, amen, in the back, okay? And so we recognize that here today. The Bible's not a part of what we do. It's the heart of everything that we do as a body of believers. I'm reminded of the illustration one day of a little girl that was sitting in church with her mother, and she was hearing the pastor preach about the importance of God's Word. And what he was saying is, is that the Bible doesn't contain God's Word. It is God's Word. It has no errors. It has no flaws. And it's all God's Word. It's given to us by Him. And so the little girl just sat there in amazement as she held the Bible open in her lap, and she just kept saying, wow, wow. As she's listening to the pastor preach about this, she keeps looking in, in great excitement, and the mother finally asked, she said, honey, what is it? What do you keep saying wow about? And she looked at her mother, and she said, mommy, is it true? Did God really write this? And she said, yes, honey, every single part, God wrote this. And in the wisdom of a five-year-old, she looked back at her mother and she said, wow, he has really neat handwriting. (laughs) Well, the truth of the matter is the Bible is God's word. It's not just a, a, a New York Times. It's not a paper. It's not a magazine. It's not an article. It is God's word entirely. And therefore, it speaks with authority into our lives today. Something I believe that God wants us to see this morning and over the coming weeks is that God not only wants us to live a life for him, God wants us to live our lives unhindered for him. Now, I imagine this morning that every single one of us have lived long enough. You probably have had something even this morning or this week that can relate to this. We've all lived long enough to know that there's probably been something along the way in our life that we wanted to do, we wanted to accomplish, we wanted to experience, but something along the way hindered us. We weren't able to get there. We weren't able to experience that. We weren't able to accomplish that. We were hindered along the way. Well, that's true in many ways in our physical lives, if you will. There's also sometimes in our life that spiritually there are some things that can hinder us from walking and living in victory. In fact, did you know, as we've been studying here at Crossing the series on prayer for much of this year, the Bible even says there are some hindrances that are so loud and so clear and so obvious that not only hinder us from living in victory, but they even hinder the way that we pray, and they hinder the effectiveness of our prayer. In fact, I was approached just a few weeks ago as we've been studying this idea of prayer that when we pray, God can do far beyond what we ask, think, or imagine. God can do anything. He has all power and all authority, and with him, all things are possible. But someone came up to me and asked this question two weeks ago. Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I keep praying, and I'm not seeing God answer, and I'm not seeing God move. Why should I even keep praying? And what they were in essence saying was, is, Pastor, I'm not seeing traction, I'm not seeing growth, I'm not seeing effectiveness, there must be something that's hindering me. And unfortunately for that individual, and the Lord hopefully allowed me to encourage them, they had come to the conclusion that they were the problem. 
And what I'm convinced of this morning is this, it's not necessarily that we are the problem, but in many of our lives, there are things in our life that is hindering us like a blockage, like a hindrance, like a barrier that's preventing us from living a life of victory for the Lord Jesus Christ. A while back now, a good friend of mine had woken up one morning and he went about his normal routine and that routine began by him going to the gym to work out and so he put on his clothes, went to the gym and as soon as he began to work out, he, he quickly realized he, he felt a little off. And as he began to exercise and began to move, he began to feel lightheaded. So he paused for a moment. And then being a stubborn man, he continued on working out. And instantly he began to notice he was, he was sweating excessively and he felt lightheaded and within a few minutes his vision kind of literally went black and white for a few minutes. And so he left the gym, he managed to get home, he took a shower, got dressed, thinking, I don't need to go to the doctor, I'll be okay, maybe I just need to eat something for breakfast. Five or six hours later, he realized something serious was wrong. He goes to the emergency room. They check him out. They realize his heart is strong. They realize numerous things were great, but there was one problem, and it was a huge problem. He had a significant blockage that was preventing the blood that was being pumped from his heart to go into all the extremities of his body. And of course, he did what many people have to do today. He went into emergency surgery. They did a procedure. And what they did is they opened things up to remove the blockage that was there. And praise God, his health is doing great today. While that is a physical picture of sometimes things that can happen that can cause an ailment and hinder us from being effective and hinder us from being healthy, I believe spiritually there are oftentimes things in our life that we allow to creep in. Or maybe things that we do intentionally, but they provide for us spiritually a blockage, a hindrance that hinders us from walking in victory and being the person that God has created us to be. I'm reminded of that illustration of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, he was writing to people who would profess faith in Jesus. They said, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. Yes, they were living for the Lord and honoring God. But Paul writes and says this interesting summary. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7. Here's what he says to them. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You were doing so well. You were doing great, but something has hindered you. In other words, he was in essence saying to them, listen, I commend you. You were living for Jesus. You were honoring him with your life and your actions. You were doing what was right, but something happened. Something is hindering you you today. With that summary statement, I ask us this morning to examine our life beginning today and in the coming weeks, uh, coming weeks and asking ourselves this question, is there anything hindering us spiritually today? Is there anything in our life that stands there as a blockage, as a hindrance from preventing us from walking in victory in Jesus today? Is there anything hindering us from knowing Jesus is our Lord? Is there anything hindering us from experiencing all that God has called us to be and to do? And my hope and prayer is that as we begin to study this today, that if there's anything that is a hindrance, God would make it so clear to us that we would repent of it, we would turn from it and experience his grace and his encouragement and the abundance of eternal life that he offers to all who believe in him. Today we look at Jeremiah chapter 42 and I want us to study today the first of these hindrances and that is the hindrance of disobedience. Can you say the word disobedience? Now I have to confess today that none of us like to think about being disobedient, right? Many of us here today are parents and we love raising children and it's a joy and it's a privilege and there are many, many, many wonderful memories and experiences along the way. Uh, this past weekend or this weekend, my wife Heather has been out of town. Her baby sister is graduating college and so it's just been me and the kids. And we've had a great time and 99% of that time together has been joyous and wonderful over the past few days. But there's also been a few moments of disobedience that were a bit challenging to me that God has used to remind me that none of us like to deal with the topic of disobedience, and yet at the same time, it's a reality in our rebellious hearts that we must examine and look at. And we see that in Jeremiah chapter 42. Did you know that the sin of disobeying God is such a powerful hindrance that God says, literally, it not only hinders us in living a life effectively for him, but if we disobey God, it also hinders even our prayers. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 28 verse 9. God says this, 
He says, he who turns away his ear from listening to the law, that is God's word, even his prayer is an abomination to God. Somebody says, oh, I prayed to God, but it didn't seem like God was listening. That may be true, but the reality is, is that if we live a life disobeying God's word and rejecting God's word, God literally says, I will not hear you. Even your prayer, the context here, is that I reject it is what God is saying. In Jeremiah chapter 42, God gives us a powerful picture of the hindrance of disobedience, and I think from it, he causes us today to examine our lives and challenge ourselves in where we're at today. So I wanna ask you if you're able to do so physically, would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? Now this morning, if you don't have a Bible, the words are gonna be on the screen in front of you, but if you do have a Bible, we're gonna read verses one through 17, keep your Bible open on your lap, and then at the very end of the message, we're gonna read chapter 43, verses one through seven. Here's what the Bible says. Tells us a story about the prophet Jeremiah and his interaction with a man of Judah named Johanan. Listen to what it says. All the commanders of the forces, Johanan, the son of Kareah, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people, both small and great, approached and said to Jeremiah the prophet, please let our petition come before you and pray for us to the Lord your God, that is for all this remnant, because we are left but a few out of many, as your own eyes now see us, that the Lord your God may tell us the way in which we should walk and the thing that we should do. So Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I'm going to pray to the Lord your God in accordance with your words, and I will tell you the whole message which the Lord will answer you. I will not keep back a word from you. So they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with the whole message which the Lord your God will send to us, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant. Listen to their statement. We will listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you, so that it may go well with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord our God. Now at the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. He called for Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the commanders of the forces that were with him, and for all the people, both small and great, and said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition before him. If you will indeed stay in this land, then, God says, I will build you up and will not tear you down. And I will plant you and not uproot you, for I will relent concerning the calamity that I have inflicted on you. Verse 11, do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you're now fearing. Don't be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. I will also show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your own soil. Verse 13, but if you're going to say, we will not stay in this land, so as not to listen to the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, we're going to go on to the land of Egypt, where we will not see war, or hear the sound of a trumpet, or hunger for bread, and we'll stay there. In that case, listen to the word of the Lord, remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you really set your mind to enter Egypt and go in to reside there, then the sword which you are afraid of will overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine about which you are anxious will follow closely after you there in Egypt, and you will die there. So all the men who set their mind to go to Egypt to reside there will die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. They'll have no survivors or refugees from the calamity that I am going to bring on them. The hindrance of disobedience. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning and for this time together God, the time that we have is brief, and frankly, uh, my ability is completely insufficient. So God, I pray today that you would speak your word into our hearts and lives. God, through the Holy Spirit, would you open our hearts and tear down any walls or barriers or any distractions? And God, I pray that you would speak into every aspect of our life that we need to receive today. Convict us, change us, and call us out to be the vessels that you'd have us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated this morning. The hindrance of disobedience. I imagine this morning that the verses that we've read today, frankly, are probably very unpopular. Maybe you're here this morning, you would think, who in the world is this guy, Johanan, and why is it even a big deal? 
Uh, maybe you've never read through the book of Jeremiah or ever heard this passage of Scripture, but I believe that what God is teaching us through Jeremiah chapter 42 and 43 has incredible profound impact even in our lives here today. The Bible tells us that Jeremiah wrote and lived about 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah lived in a day, frankly, that wasn't uncommon to what we experience today. He lived in a day where the people, by far and large, chose to do their own thing. God had given them instruction. God had given them direction. God was giving them his word through the prophets, and yet the majority of the people had rejected God and were doing their own thing. In fact, we know Jeremiah today as the nickname, the weeping prophet. The weeping prophet. Now, I have to tell you today that uh, this would not be a title that one would like to have. Uh, I imagine if you're meeting people in the community and you're inviting them to Crosslink and you might tell them about different things of the church or whatever, I hope you don't describe me as the crybaby pastor of Crosslink, okay? That's kind of the description here. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. He's the prophet of God that's always crying. Well, why is he weeping? He's weeping because his heart is broken over the sins of God's people. He's weeping for God, and you are going to be my people. He established a relationship with them. And then God said, if you obey me, I will bless you. But if you disobey me and reject me, there will be consequences and judgment. And they said yes, and they agreed, and they entered this relationship with God. And God began to bless them as they obeyed, and God poured out his blessings in amazing ways. But then the people began to go their own direction. They began to reject him. And as a result of that, they experienced great judgment. In fact, by the time we read Jeremiah chapter 42 and 43, there were 12 original tribes of Israel. But by the time we get to Jeremiah chapter 42, there's only two remaining in freedom. The 10 northern tribes, because of their rejection of God and disobedience of God, they had already been taken away as captives in the land of Assyria. So Jeremiah is only speaking to two of the 12 remaining tribes of Israel that are still living in freedom. And Jeremiah is given a word from God to challenge the people and to instruct the people and to encourage the people. But Jeremiah is the weeping prophet because God has already shown him, Jeremiah, you're going to preach and you're going to speak the truth, but they're not going to respond and they're not going to receive it and they're not going to obey because they've hardened their hearts and they've stiffened their neck and they've rejected the things that I have for them. That's the day that Jeremiah is living in. It was a tough day and a hard day to be a prophet of God. But in this specific moment, there was at least a ray of hope. There was a moment, a, a glimmer of light, if you will. I don't know if you've ever been in a difficult time where it seemed like everything was going wrong, and then all of a sudden there was a, a good answer. There was a good moment, and you thought, well, there's a chance, right? You're saying there's a chance, right? And that's where things were. They were there because of this man by the name of Johanan. In Jeremiah chapter 41, the Bible tells us of a wicked military man of Babylon by the name of Ishmael. And Ishmael saw these two tribes in a very vulnerable place. And so Ishmael and his wicked cruelty came against these two remaining tribes. He took out many of their leaders. And then he began to take the rest of the people of Judah and Benjamin to be his slaves. In the midst of that difficult situation, God raised up a Jewish man by the name of Johanan to go to kill this Babylonian leader and to redeem, to set free these two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. It's at that point that we pick up the scripture. And I know you're sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, it's 2019, that's a long time ago. The lesson that we learn from Johanan's experience challenges us in a powerful way today. It's there that I want us to see three observations about the sin of disobedience or the hindrance of disobedience. The first thing I want you to see this morning is the simple desire to know God's word. The simple desire to know God's word. Now think of this for just a moment. Johanan was a great military leader. He was noble in his intentions. He was bold in his actions. He was logical in his decision making. He, he had a commitment about him that even when other people were going the other direction, he stepped in at a time and had a great action of intervening to, to bring freedom to these two tribes that had been taken advantage of, if you will. He had rescued a remnant of Jewish people. But it's at this moment that Johanan realizes he doesn't know what next to do. 
He had never led a group of people like this. He didn't have any experiences to draw on. He didn't have any vast knowledge to depend on, but he was in a good place because he knew where to go. He was in a good place because even though he knew he didn't have all the answers, and even though he didn't have all the experience, he knew someone who did. He knew that the God of Israel knew the answers. He knew that the God of Israel knew what the next step should be. He knew that the God of Israel would have counsel and a word for him. And so notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in verses 1 through 3 that Johanan and the leaders of Judah went to Jeremiah. They went to the right man. They went to the prophet of God, and they asked the right thing. Think of it for just a moment. The Bible tells us they went to Jeremiah, the prophet of God. Now understand that in that day, they didn't have the Bible as we have it today. Today, we have the full counsel of God's word, 66 books of the Bible. In that day, they didn't have that. In fact, in that day, really what they had were the five books of the law, the first five books of the Bible. And so God raised up a group of people known as prophets to reveal who he is and to reveal what he is like and to reveal what he was doing among them. I reminded the illustration one day of a little boy that was home at the kitchen table and he had a piece of paper and he had some crayons and I mean, he began to, to work and he began to draw and he began to color and he was intense and he was focused and, and his mother spoke up and said, honey, what, what are you drawing? What are you coloring? And he said, oh, mama, I am making a picture of God. And the mother thought, well, that's really sweet. That's cute. But she looked back and she said, but honey, um, um, nobody knows what God looks like. With the faith of a child, he looked at her in the eyes and said, they will now. They will now. Jeremiah was a prophet, and the prophets were raised up to tell the world, this is who God is, this is what he's doing, and this is his word for you. So Johanan and the people of Judah go to Jeremiah, the prophet of God, and they said, prophet of God, would you pray for us? Prophet of God, would you go and talk to the Lord your God that he can give us his word, that he would share with us what he wants us to do, that he'll give us the direction and the path that we should go. Prophets in that day were often called seers because God gave them direct insight to spiritually see things that others could not. And so they came to Jeremiah with a simple desire, please seek God, discern his word, and make it known to us. Friend, I don't know about you, but I think they were in the right place at this moment. They really were taking time to seek God. I challenge you this morning to even examine your own life. Are you taking time in your life to seek God? Are you taking time in your life to know and discern what is God's word for you and what is God's will for you? Or are you moving ahead doing your own thing? God promised the same Israelites in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. This same prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3, verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. Be mindful of acknowledging God. Be mindful of seeking God first in all things and letting him direct your path. That's exactly where the people were. At this point, all is good. They are taking time to seek the word and the will of God. Secondly, we see in Jeremiah chapter 42, we see the seeming determination to follow God's word. The seeming determination to follow God's word. If you're still with me, would you say, I am? I love how the scripture unfolds in chapter 42 because they have given their desire. They have expressed their intent. Jeremiah, pray for us. Come back and give us word of what God would have us to do. But then notice in verses four through six, their determination. And that is, they confess that they are determined to follow God's word. They've gone out of their way to ask, and now they go out of their way to say some things. Notice what the Bible says in verses five and six. It says, they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful, against, true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with the whole message with which the Lord your God will send to us, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, we will listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord our God. There's three things in these two verses that I think stand out clearly for us to receive this morning. The first is I want you to consider what I'll call their conviction of God's word. 
These individuals not only desired to know God's word, they had a conviction about it. Their conviction was that God's word should have authority in their life. That God, through his word, had the right and the significance and the power to say whatever needed to be said, whether it was good or bad. We see that in that statement, verse 6. Jeremiah, whether God's word is pleasant towards us or unpleasant towards us, we will receive it, is the context. Whether God's word is good towards us or bad towards us, we need to hear it because God's word has authority, so we will receive it. Now, I just confess to you that sometimes that's easier said than done. The Lord's blessed me to be a pastor for a while, and being a pastor, there are numerous times that people want to talk about Scripture, and that's a wonderful thing. And there are oftentimes people are seeking to have better understanding of Scripture, and maybe they're struggling with a part of what the Bible says. But I've also been a pastor long enough to know that not every time someone wants to talk about Scripture do they actually want to talk about the understanding. Sometimes we are more intent on debating not what it means, but ultimately how it applies to our life. In fact, there are oftentimes people that will go from pastor to pastor or counselor to counselor trying to find someone to twist the scripture ultimately to approve their actions and what they think about it. And that's kind of where Johanan is at. Whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, the context is we're going to receive it. Just tell us what does God's word say. The truth of the matter is this morning is that even still today, men still love darkness rather than light. So instead of letting the light shine into every part of our lives to push away the darkness, we often would rather justify the darkness and dim the light in our own hearts and lives. That's where we begin to see this unfold. Jeremiah 42, they say, whether the words are pleasant or not, we're going to receive it. Now, I have to confess today, I do not enjoy unpleasant words. Anybody enjoy unpleasant words? Anybody at all? Probably most of us don't. You know, those conversations when someone says, hey, Pastor Matthew, I can't wait to sit down with you. I have great words of criticism for you. That just blesses the pastor's heart. I'm just telling you, you know, like, I'm going to really make it a point to set up this meeting. This is exciting, okay? Well, none of us like that. But here's the reality. There are times that I need that. There are times that I need to examine. Is there truth in this? Are there things that need to be changed? Sometimes my wife will say to me, Hey, sweetheart, when you get home, we need to sit down and talk. And then there are times she'll say, hey, after the kids go to bed, we really need to talk. Those moments just bless you as a husband, okay? I don't enjoy those moments. Sometimes when something's hard that we need to talk about or something that convicts me or hits close to home or, you know, something that I said that might have hurt feelings or whatever, I don't enjoy those moments, but I need them. And in the same way, when it comes to God's word, there, there are times that I'm, I'm reading along, and, and as I'm reading, it's pleasant. I mean, it's like healing to your soul, and it's encouraging, and you're reading God's promises, and, you're, and it's life-giving, and you're like, man, thank you, God, for this word. And then the next moment, there's a conviction that cuts you so deep, and, and there's a word that's, oh, my goodness, I, I need to repent of this, and I need to be changed. There are moments when God's word, in some ways, is kind of unpleasant in the sense that it makes me uncomfortable, and it shows me the error of my ways and shows me how far short I've fallen, and it brings those things to mind and to light so that I can be right with God. I don't enjoy that, but I need that, and Johanna knew that. Whether it's pleasant or not, we're going to receive it. It reminds me of the word that the Apostle Paul gave in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Remember, in the first letter to the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul, frankly, had to write one of the hardest letters he's ever written. The letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is looking at a church and he is saying, you have sinned and grieved the Holy Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians, Paul begins to outline sin after sin that needed to be addressed and confronted and turned from in the church at Corinth. Now, in 2 Corinthians, listen to what he says. He says, for though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while, I now rejoice. Not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. 
Paul said, listen, it grieved me that I had to say these tough words, these unpleasant words, but it blesses me and I rejoice to know that as they were addressed, you repented and you were forgiven and you've experienced the grace and the mercy of God and you've been made right with him. He rejoiced in that. I don't enjoy the unpleasant words, but I'm thankful when God convicts me. They were recognizing this incredible conviction of God's word that God's gonna say what we need to hear, not necessarily what we want to hear. Secondly, we see their commitment to God's word. Now, follow closely for just a moment. They look at Jeremiah and say, go pray for us and come back and give us the report. They state that their understanding that God's gonna speak for or against, pleasant or unpleasant, and listen to verse six. We will listen to the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you. In fact, in verse five, they said, listen, let it be known that God is a faithful and true witness that he will come against us if we don't do everything that God tells us to do. In other words, think of this. They haven't even yet heard what God is going to say and they're already putting their yes on the table. And I mean, it's at this point that I'm like, that's awesome. That's all God wants us to be. God wants us to be surrendered to him where we would say, God, would you speak to me through your word? God, would you guide me and direct me and whatever you put upon my heart to do? The answer is yes. I'm gonna obey you, God. I'm gonna honor you, God. I'm gonna put you first in my life and I'm gonna surrender to you. God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm willing. The yes is on the table. And it's at this point and I'm like, this is awesome. They tell Jeremiah, don't hold anything back from us. Whatever God says, that we will do. Now, I'm reminded that when it comes to obeying God, God wants us not to pick and choose what we obey, but to obey him fully in our life. Listen to what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and verse 8. He said these words, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. Listen to this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. In other words, God's word is not just given for facts and information, but for our lives to be transformed by our faith and obedience to it. They're committed to obeying God's word. And the third thing that we see then is the consequence of God's word. Notice what they said in verse six. We will do this. We will listen to the voice of the Lord to whom we're sending you so that it may go well with us when we listen to the voice of the Lord. We're gonna obey God's word knowing that if we obey, it will go well with us. Now please understand this morning that the Israelites for a long time had understood God's covenant with them. In fact, God had told them very, very clearly in Deuteronomy chapter 11. You'll read it this week as a part of your scripture reading in the worship guide. But in Deuteronomy chapter 11, God literally says, I am putting before you today an opportunity. If you obey me, you'll be blessed. But if you disobey me, there will be judgment and consequences. God gave them the choice. God put it before them and he gave them the opportunity. In fact, not only did he tell them that in Deuteronomy chapter 11, but in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, right after God says, don't depart from my word to the left or to the right, be careful to do everything that's written in it, God says this in verse eight, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have, what's the next word? Success. What did God say through David in Psalm chapter one, verses two through three? He described the person who lived a blessed life and he said this, His delight is in the law of the Lord. That's speaking of God's word. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he, what's the next word? Prospers. Now, does that mean you're going to be a millionaire? No. Does that mean if you dishonor God, you're going to get that position at work? No. Does that mean that God is gonna answer every prayer according to your want and whim? No. But does it mean that our life will be blessed? Does it mean that we'll be effective in life? Does it mean that we will be fulfilled and there will be a joy that comes from knowing we've honored God? Absolutely. 
The consequence of this, the conclusion of God's word is, if we will receive God's word, if we'll commit to God's word, the scripture says, it will go well with us. It doesn't mean that everything in life is going to be perfect. We still live in a broken world. But God will bless and he will work and he will move. Now pause for just a moment. Let's fast forward for a few seconds. They commit. We're going to obey. We're going to do whatever God tells us to do. We are all in, Jeremiah. We're just waiting on the word. Jeremiah's a prophet of God. He does what he says he's going to do. Jeremiah goes to God. He prays, and he waits. He prays, and he waits. He prays. He's in this process of praying and seeking God. It takes 10 days, 10 days for Jeremiah to understand what God is saying to the people. Now, pause there for a moment. Johanan, in the previous chapter, had protected the people of Judah and Benjamin from the hand of a cruel Babylonian leader, by killing him. Babylon was the power of the day. Please understand, by this moment, Johanan is getting restless. It's been 10 days. Johanan is realizing, you know what? I bet the word of what I've done is getting to Babylon and to the kings, to the leaders. And as a result of that, he's living in a place of fear. He's anxious about things. And so while Jeremiah is waiting on God, Johanan is making other plans. And Johanan and the people of Judah come to the conclusion, you know what, the best logical option for us is to go to the land of Egypt. If we go to Egypt, there will be peace there, we'll have plenty of food there, we'll have a safe place to lay our head, and the people of Babylon won't dare come to attack us there. That's the best place to be. Jeremiah seeks God. God, what do you want me to say? God gives Jeremiah the word. After 10 days, Jeremiah goes to Johanan and the other people. And Jeremiah says, this is the word of the Lord. God says, stay right here in the land. God says, stay right where you are. I will bless you. God says, stay right where you are. I am with you to save you, to deliver you, and to make you a strong and mighty people. God says, stay right here in the land. He's going to take care of you. If you'll only trust him, if you'll only obey him, if you'll only follow him, Johanan, this is what he says, just trust and obey. That's what Jeremiah says. But it's at that point, I want us to fast forward to Jeremiah chapter 43 for the final point of the message. I want you to see the serious dilemma of disobeying God. The serious dilemma of disobeying, really, God's word. Jeremiah proclaims the message. Johanan, God has said he is with you. He's right here with you right now to save you, to spare you, to deliver you, to help you, to heal you, to give you a prosperous land right here. God has a plan and a purpose if you just trust and obey, which, by the way, you've already said you're going to do. Fast forward, Jeremiah 43, verses 1 through 7. This first little word it's so little but so powerful because it suggests to us a change that is coming. Verse one. But as soon as Jeremiah, whom the Lord their God had sent, had finished telling all the people all the words of the Lord their God, that is all these words, Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, Say it out loud with me if you've got it there in front of you. You are telling a lie. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you are not to enter Egypt to reside there. I'll continue on. But Baruch, your assistant over here, the son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to give us over into the hand of the Chaldeans. So they will put us to death or exile us to Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces and all the people did not obey the voice of the Lord to stay in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces took the entire remnant of Judah who had returned from all the nations to which they had been driven away in order to reside in the land of Judah. Look down to verse seven. And they entered the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord and went in as far as Tophanes. So pastor, what are you saying? 
I believe God begins to show us the point of the message and the significant moment of hindrance. I believe God shows us here the serious dilemma of disobeying his word. In fact, we see that in a few different ways, but the first one we see about that I want you to consider for just a moment is clearly the choice of disobedience. The choice of disobedience. Can you picture the scene? They look to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, would you pray for us? We want to know God's word. We commit to do God's will. Whatever God says to do, we're going to do it. You just seek God's will for us. Let us know, and we're going to say yes. We're all in. We've put our yes on the table. I mean, we're ready to go. Jeremiah, just give us the word. God gives the word, but it's not the word they wanted. God gives the word, frankly, but it's not the word they liked. God gives the word, but it was really uncomfortable. God gives the word, stay where you're at. I'm with you. I'm going to save you, and I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to raise you up. Just trust me and believe and obey. God gives the word, but their answer is but God, I don't want to. But God, it doesn't make sense to me. But God, I don't like it. But God, I've already made up my mind. But God, I'm already going to go my own path and direction. They'd already made up their mind against the things of God. Oh, they said, we're going to obey. We're going to do what God wants. We know that it will go well with us if we obey. But then when given the opportunity to respond in obedience, they literally rejected and they took away from what God was calling them to do. Maybe you're here this morning. You'd say, well, pastor, that's what they did 600 years before the birth of Jesus. I would never do that. Truth be told this morning, I am convinced that even more today than in that day, so often when we read God's word, what God has already spoken on a matter, we look at it, and if we don't like it, or if we're uncomfortable with it, if it demands some kind of change in our life, we begin to make every possible excuse, and in doing so, what we're doing is we're ignoring and rejecting the very truth that God has already told us to do. These individuals thought that they could do what they wanted and get away with it. It wasn't that big of a deal. They could act as if this word had never been received, that God didn't really say it. Friend, I'm telling you this morning, once God speaks and what God has spoken, it is true and it is final. Reminded of this illustration this morning as I think of this, of how they responded, I'm reminded how quickly in our own lives it's easy for us to look at situations and it's easy for us to cast blame and it's easy for us to neglect our own responsibilities sometimes in situations. Sometimes we look at the younger generation and we look at the culture in which we live and the hardships around us and we begin to look and think of how ungodly certain things are without realizing how our lack of influence and our lack of example and encouragement in the things of the Lord have brought us to where we are. So often when God's word speaks against us, we don't want to receive it and so by our actions we try to remove it and delete it as if it never was heard. Illustration, for example, maybe you remember many years ago if there was a time in your life where you experienced maybe you professed faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So often someone accepts Christ as their Savior, they put their faith in Jesus and they're encouraged to get in God's word and begin reading. And sometimes perhaps you got to Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and you read those words of instruction and command where, where Peter says, repent and be baptized. Frankly, so often for us, instead of saying, yes, I want to be baptized, yes, I'm going to go public in my faith, sometimes we look at it and we say, but wait a second, I'm kind of scared of water. Or I'm too dignified, I don't, I don't want to get in that water. I couldn't do that in front of people. That would be so embarrassing. And we choose to go our own way. When we choose our own way, you know what it's like? It's like looking at that command in Scripture and taking the page that we don't like, that makes us uncomfortable, that deals with us, and ripping it out and throwing it away. 
Then we continue reading on in God's word and we, we come to, to an Old Testament book in Malachi chapter 3 and we, we hear of God's calling to, to be generous, uh, generous people who would tithe and give him the first fruits of all of his many blessings in our life. And we look at that and we think, oh, wait a second, that's uncomfortable for me, but it's, it's my money, it's my resources, I want to do what I want to do. And by our actions, what we're doing is we're looking at God's word and we're taking it and we're saying, you know what, God, I just don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. I want to do with my money what I want to do. So we take it out and we just trash it. And then we continue reading God's word and we come to Matthew chapter 18. And this, well, this is a tough one. When, when there's a brother or a sister in Christ that there's some issue with, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, literally, you're to go to them, go to your brother and go to them in private and confront them and to tell them his fault and to seek the restoration and to seek healing and to seek forgiveness and grace. And we look and say, oh, but I'm not wired that way. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. And so we instead, we'd rather complain and gossip so we rip out the pages. And then we continue on. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, go into all the world making disciples of all nations. But I don't want to tell people about Jesus. That is so, I just don't know if I could do that. I'm not wired that way. And I don't want to go to the ends of the earth. I don't need that. And we continue on. We just continue reading God's word and reading the commands. We come to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But wait a second. I don't want to be in church every Sunday. I don't want to come when it's convenient, when it's easy. I don't like that one either, God. Oh, 1 Corinthians 6, whoa. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So lust and fornication and pornography and adultery. Man, that, that's a whole lot of them, God. I don't like that either. I, I mean, just, just take the whole thing and I don't need that. We pick and choose what we want. And still try to call it God's word. And then we act shocked when Junior grows up to follow our example. Get to Ephesians chapter 6 and they read, honor your father and your mother. But you know what we've taught them to do? We've taught them to pick and choose. I don't like that one. We take what little we have left and say, oh, but God, if I can just obey these few, maybe you'll be blessed me. What I want you to see is the choice to disobey God is severe. The final thing I want you to consider of Jeremiah's day is the cost of disobedience. Obedience. See, see, part of the if I obey God, that is such a high cost to pay. I remember when God was calling me to preach. I didn't want to preach. I wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, a liar. I mean, a lawyer. I don't know. I didn't want to be a preacher. The first thing I told God in my life I would never do is I will never preach. God has a great sense of humor. Does. But here's the reality. I saw the cost of obedience as so great. God did some things in my life to show me quickly that the cost of disobedience is always far greater than the cost of obedience. Jeremiah chapter 42 Remember Jeremiah was the weeping prophet? Before the Bible even tells us their decision, God had already shown him what the people would do. Listen to Jeremiah's summary in Jeremiah 42, verses 20 and following. Here's what he says to them before they even announce their decision, because God had shown him what was going to happen. Verse 20. For you have only deceived who? Yourself. Can you deceive God? Nope. We, we might deceive each other, we might deceive the pastor, we might deceive the judge, we might deceive our parents, we might deceive our children, but God has never deceived. You've only deceived yourselves, for it is you who sent me to the Lord your God, saying, pray for us to the Lord your God, and whatever the Lord our God says, tell us so, and we will do it, verse 21. So I have told you today, but you have not obeyed the Lord your God, even in whatever he has sent me to tell you. Therefore... You should now clearly understand that you will die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence in the place where you wish to go to reside. Here's the cost of disobedience. The cost of disobedience is always far greater than we could imagine or think. If you begin to read through the rest of the book of Jeremiah, go into the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, even read early Jewish history, you know what you begin to realize? We begin to realize exactly what God said would happen 
happened. God is always watching over his word to fulfill it. They experienced severe consequence because they chose to go their own direction. I believe one of the reasons that Jeremiah wept was because Jeremiah knew it never had to be that way. God gave them an opportunity to repent and say yes to God. But in the hardness of their hearts, they rejected it and did their own thing. Let me close that by saying this, and we'll finish the message. Two things. I believe there's two types of people here today. Maybe you're here today and you are a believer. And by that I mean you have believed in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again, and you have confessed him to be the Lord of your life. If you're here this morning and you are a believer, thank God for his grace. You weren't saved by good works. You were saved only by his grace. And if you have been saved, I want to challenge you and encourage you to examine your life, to consider, are you valuing God's word, receiving God's word, and obeying it in your life? Or is that an area where there's a hindrance that needs to be confessed and turned from? But the second type of person that I believe is here today is the person who has not yet put their faith in Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. They're the person who who maybe recognizes that they have sinned and done things that are wrong, and maybe they recognize that Jesus did, in fact, die on the cross and raise again from the grave, but they've never confessed him to be the Lord of their life. To you, I believe that God's message to you today is the same as Jeremiah's message to Johanan many years ago. Jeremiah looked at Johanan and said, Johanan, God is now with you today to save you, to deliver you. He is now with you today to show you mercy and compassion and to give you a new life if you will believe and trust in him. Sadly, Johanan didn't want to accept that. He wanted to do his own thing. And his life stands as a testimony of the severe things that happen when we reject God's opportunity. So I encourage you today, you are still living, you are still breathing, you still have the opportunity. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God is saying today is your opportunity. Today is the moment. I am with you right now to save you and deliver you if you'll trust me and believe. All of the building, can we bow our heads in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time together. Speak to our hearts, I pray, in very real and personal ways. I pray, God, that today our response will be yes to whatever it is that you're putting in our heart to do. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.